the football pod. Colin O'Rourke said that in punditry today, that colour, wit and enthusiasm is missing. Tune into the football pod. <laughs> Paddy Andrews and James Dunne will bring it for you. Subscribe to the football pod wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. It's Thursday morning and we are live on OTBAM at half past seven. Uh, the whole gang are here. Uh, Kathleen's here. Kathleen, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good. Shane? How are things? Good morning. Colm's also here. Colm. Good morning. You can hear me okay, can you? I can, yeah. Can you hear yeah, me? yeah. Colm's live in glorious technical. You lean into the mic there, Colm. You're, uh, you're a bit far away. <laughs> Everyone have a good night, chat. Very good night. Good morning as well. First oh, yeah. time Manchester City will ever play in Milan. In a competitive game. In fact, it's the first time sides have met in a Champions League final for the first time since. I'll put it out there. Something to do with Valencia? Something to do, exactly to do, with 2005 Istanbul. Oh. AC Milan versus Liverpool. Really? Yeah, the there you go. And in the Champions League. Eating. And then they couldn't stop two years later, of course, the forgotten final, 07. People in Zaghi, Dublin. And here we are again, Inter, the only side, well, one of two sides who could stop this treble. Doesn't look like it's going to happen, though. No, Miguel Delaney writing the obituary of football last night. Yeah, one of two sides is it. Feeling less likely. It's a why. Writing the obituary of football last night that uh, Manchester City enjoyed a dominance, enjoyed the incredible display against Real Madrid, but is this the end of football as we know it? Wow, what a that's a big one for this time of the morning. (laughs) Do you think it is the end of? Do you agree with Miguel? Well, the dominance is uncomfortable. However, the football is the football is exhilarating. Is that is that a direct quote? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the that's the article that he wrote last night, and uh, okay. on, on the whistle it was brilliant. Would you say this is like this marks the end? Is it not already kind of happening? In the sense of well, like your cities that take all the players and all the money and yeah, nothing's new from this time yesterday. The difference is that they've absolutely annihilated the defending champions, mm. winners of five of the last nine Champions Leagues. Madrid didn't put a thing on them. Staying on it though, because you're watching those unbelievable goals last night, and that performance in the first half was one of the best footballing performances you'll ever see. And yet, in the back of your mind, you're thinking over 100 alleged financial fair play breaches over nine years, and you can't get that out of your head. I, I can't get that out of my head. Oh, the first time, even as I'm watching this beautiful football, I don't believe you. I don't. No, genuinely, I'm, I'm not. I don't. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm literally. Like, I'm enjoying. Not, the f- as the goal goes in, you're like, ah, oh, no, like, no, no, wow. But, like, but across the entirety of the, the ninety minutes, before and after, you do. But the whole point of sports watching that the reason that it works is that you forget that the thing is so beautiful. Like that's how this all works. I maybe maybe you have the ability, and that's fair play to you. High moral standards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> most football fans just get sucked in, watch the game and go, this is incredible. This is the high, as, as Nathan pointed out in the aftermath of the first leg, this is the highest level of football that you're ever going to see. Mm. Like, and it's getting higher and higher. And uh, the quality that we saw on display on the field last night was absolutely sensational. I, I do think that maybe um, uh, there's, there's a lot to be played out yet. With, with respect to the, the money, that's really important to remember that it's possible that City gets stripped of this or that... Uh, something happens to prevent them becoming uh, all singing, all dancing, all conquering at the same level, at European level as they have been at the Premier League. So if they were to win five out of the next six uh, uh, Champions Cups, you'd be like, um, Champions Cups, European Cups, mm. Champions Leagues, you'd be like, uh, okay, fair enough. But I, I mean, I, 
Um, I do remember, like, uh, Real Madrid losing big games, being absolutely hammered in European football. I do remember the incredible Milan team hammering Barcelona in a Champions League final. Like, it's, This is just following a trend. This is, this is the point. Like, in the last four months, Man City have been behind in games precisely three times when they wanted to turn it on. Like, Kevin De Bruyne has been left out at the start of the year, starting 11s. Mm. And since uh, early spring... They've been untouchable, so much so that you'd credit Arsenal further with keeping in touch with them throughout the whole season. Because, like, I thought the 2017-18 Man City side with uh, Leroy Sané, David Silva, Sergio Aguero, mm. I thought that was the best Premier League team I'd ever seen. And this one is probably not as entertaining on the eye, sometimes, but it's far more ruthless and efficient. And at the same time, they still have an amazing ability to just destroy teams like the first 15 minutes they had 79% possession they had 13 shots by half time this is the European champions they were against well, was it was Courtois, frightening if Courtois hadn't been in goals yeah, and, 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 and then one of, the, one of the better goalkeeping performances we've seen this season from a keeper who's conceded four that save from the second header from Erling Haaland oh, yeah. it's one of the best saves to see all season after that save I was, I was ready to like start, oh, yeah. start texting my mates going it's going to be one of those nights for City and like by the time I had like sorted the phone out the goal was in I was like oh well, I'm just going to put that yeah, well Erling Haaland didn't score over the two legs but should have scored a hat-trick last night if it yeah. wasn't for Courtois. <laughs> and, it, you know, the, the save in the second half even onto the crossbar from the one-on-one. One. And, the, the, like, the first one, like, point blank. I know, like, Haaland headed it straight at him. Mm. But, like, he still had to move his arm to save it. It wasn't luck. It didn't just hit him. Yeah. Um, it, was like, it was like a motivated giant in an FA Cup third round against a minnow. That's how City treated Madrid. Mm. It did feel like that, didn't it? Like they were just walking around them. Um, I don't know why Carlo Ancelotti brings back in Militao instead of playing Rudiger. Like we were talking about in the office yesterday, myself and Phil, and we were like, you have to play Rudiger, don't you? I thought Rudiger dealt with Haaland well in the first leg. Yeah, really well. But I, I mean, is that changing anything? It, like, no, I'm, I'm, not, not, I'm not saying. I, I'll, I'll, put it, I'll put it to you this way: no. Could Madrid have done anything differently last night to prevent what occurred? Turned up. Yeah, probably turned up. Vinicius goes over to Ancelotti at one point in the match, and you're he's he's like, like, yeah, and at that point, so that, that's a two 0 right? Yeah, yeah. He, he hadn't touched the ball at that point. Yeah, had not touched the ball once. Had Benzema touched the ball? And either? then the, the so. next time he gets it, or the first time he gets it, takes on Kyle Walker, temporarily beats him for pace, mm-hmm. and then the recovery pace of Walker just thwarts the chance completely. Yeah, and then seconds later, Benzema puts him in, or he puts in Benzema, and keeper just gets there and in front of him and then you have like in its own moment in the game living on an island is Tony Kroos's shot <laughs> oh yeah which is an absolute made for a Champions League advert for the next 10 years where the ball is still from 35 yards out as it, as it goes towards the crossbar barely moves mm. beautiful but outside of that like Modric and Kroos get taken off between the 60th and 70th minute the narrative would be is at the end of those well, two breaks and Benzema clearly, on the way out. It's clearly the end of the era. They've, they've been uh, replacing them slowly over the last couple of seasons with uh, much younger players and I don't think they expected them both to last as long as they did and this is the one season that's one season too many for them but next year they'll have a recast midfield and it'll be one of the youngest Real Madrid teams that we've had in ages and I think they'll be back next season. Like I absolutely do think they'll be back if you add uh, Bellingham and then it's Bellingham, Camavinga and Mbappe. Uh, potentially yeah. uh, I mean uh, you know um, uh, there's a, a couple of other midfielders Alfonso Davies has been linked as well well that, that's that's their shopping list um, mm. now whether or not they get all those we'll see but uh, so I don't think Real Madrid are going to go anywhere when it comes to big time knockout Champions League games and so therefore I don't think this is the end of football mm. were um, the celebrations over the top or am I just reading too much into it because it's their last 
game and they're heading off to Istanbul. I think you're just like, a Man United fan, Shane. No, no. I think but all like, of this is salty Manchester United. Haaland had, had the Norwegian flag wrapped around him. Usually that, that you see that happen when there's a trophy on the pitch with you. Am I wrong? You're going full stormers on it. Well, like, you're, d- you're, d- Inter, Inter kind of did it the other night as well, but I didn't see any... Richard Keyes facts. here, is it? No. no it's not the end I've of football at all. Like, <laughs> it's really not. This is, this is the best football I've seen in my lifetime at the highest level of the game. Mm. And the difference between the quality in those two semi-finals, even did, though they were both comfortable victories did, for the victors... Did you watch much of Pep's Barcelona when they had the greatest player of all time in the team? I'm saying there's more teams now that are better than then. But you said it's the greatest football you've ever seen. I think on a consistent basis at the top level well, it's, it's, uh, it's last, amazing so last night my, point, my overall point is this reminds me of the or last night reminded me of the 2009 Champions League final where Barcelona against Manchester United were the two best teams in Europe but one was far better than the other yeah. and that's what happened last night Yeah. so if City wants to if I they have the motivation and I, focus I don't think this they'll is, dominate I, Champions League I actually don't think Real Madrid are the second best team in Europe at the moment I'm not sure who is but well that's, well, that's, that's, the good, that's a good question um, I don't know but like that's the point their league form has not been great and even like last season it's hard to argue that they were the best team uh, anyway but they end up winning because then you had to, to win in, in this um, competition the money the money is the thing that, that's coming up Richard Dunn last night on telly was like I mean everybody's going to go on about the money but actually all the other big teams with the exception of Grealish could have signed any of those Manchester City players and he's getting hammered for it he's absolutely getting hammered for it is he wrong Shane? I think he I think he is wrong I, like, I was reading the Richard Dunn com- uh, comments I, I only saw the quotes this morning I haven't uh, seen a clip but I don't agree that. that well, I, well, I do. Will I do some of the quick comments? Yeah, go on. If you look at the squad, Jack Grealish was maybe the only one that other teams couldn't compete with because he was 100 million and probably wasn't worth 100 million at the time. Man City turned him into a player now worth more. If you go through the rest of the squad, there's nobody that United, Chelsea, or Liverpool couldn't afford. You could have added Arsenal into that, by the way. City have a plan with how they recruit people, how they do it, what type of people they want for each position over a period of a couple of years they've accumulated that squad. Even with Calvin Phillips, it was done on purpose because they needed a certain amount of English players. He was an English player of a certain quality and not on 200 grand a week. They don't make many mistakes. They maybe get a couple wrong at the start, but over the last three or four years, every single player that's come in has been a success. Look at Alvarez. He came for 15 million, affordable for the whole Premier League and most of Europe. City were the ones that went out and got him. Biggest draw to Man City is Pep Guardiola. All the players want to play from the way he's evolved the team, even over this season, has been incredible. I think what's helped him has been the signing of Haaland. Haaland can play one position in one style, so it restricts how much he can change the attack. He's right that Guardiola coming in is the reason why, why so many players want to join City. I agree with that. But I mean, City don't have owners like the Glazers who are out to pay themselves an annual dividend and are out to make profit and don't care about the football club. Like, okay, okay. Dabby so, Dabby owners you, don't you, care about you, you bring, money because they have so much of it. It's you, monopoly. You bring up the Glazers, right? Yeah. You bring up the Glazers and all they're interested in is taking money out of the club. Yeah, fact. It's not a fact. That is a fact. I mean, okay. All the, the Glazers don't care about money. Let, let, let's look at the net spend over the last five seasons. Yeah, okay. You what's, the net, what's the net spend for Manchester United over the last five seasons? Yeah, the, the more the Glazers pump into the club, I'm sure they, they feel like the more profit they're going to make and the more they're going to line their pockets. So, but hang on. Sorry, what? Well, the, the Glazers, what's the argument here? Well, the Glazers only care about lining their pockets. It's the, it's the Glazers' fault that Manchester United couldn't compete with Man City, right? Even though their net spend over the last five seasons is £611 million. Yeah. Manchester City's net spend over the last five seasons, this is according to Transfer Market, is 260 million. But, uh, they're not the same. No, of course they're not. But so the Glazers, by taking all this money out, have also put a lot of money in. But the Glazers, the, you're after saying now that Glazers don't just care about money. I'm and telling you. That is all they care about. I'm, but they, 611 million net spend, 
the money's been wasted is the problem. Oh, for sure. It's been, not, it's been not, so that's, but that, it's the people spending the money is what's important. Not, it's not even how much is spent. It's the people spending the money. And that, so Pep's not going to get any credit from most people for winning a Champions League this year because everybody's like, oh, they just, it was the money. But like, if you, again, if you look at the next one, you can go back, you can go back even further. And obviously but, Manchester City invested loads of money early on. But man, like the, the biggest net spenders over the last five years is Chelsea. And then it's Man United, and then it's Arsenal, and then it's Liverpool, and then it's Man City. Yeah, so does Richard that, not have a point? No, that's net spent. But, but also, the, the, Haaland, the Haaland one, like he said, oh, City only spent 50 million on Haaland. They did spend 100 million on, on agent fees. What well, did they? Ridiculous Wait, wages as well. Okay, but how are they ridiculous? Who's the most. No, who's sorry, they're not ridiculous in comparison to what they. Like, he's probably earning what he, what he should be in comparison yeah. to other footballers. Manchester, but it's still really high. Manchester United pay more to David De Gea than. Any other goalkeeper in the Premier League gets. Yeah, that, that's also ridiculous. But that, so it, the, the problem here is, right, that Man City, it's just Man City, it's just the money, but actually, Man United have spent more money than they have. Arsenal are spending similar money. Chelsea have spent more money. So it's not just the money. So Richard Dunn has a point. Uh, yeah, he does have a point. But like, uh, money in football is like the internet, like, there's no going back. So you have to accept all that. And Pep Guardiola's got everything he's ever wanted at Manchester City to make this happen for him. And he has done that. But like you have to give him huge credit because when they got money exactly 15 years ago this summer, they were just a mid-table Premier League side. So they still had to build all this. The problem that people have, I think, is the source of the money and the nefarious acts behind them. It's not, it's not like a self-made million or billionaire coming in like uh, Jack Walker. Walker style to be like hmm. here I'm, uh, com- I'm going to give back to my hometown club like I've noticed even the Stan Kroenke stuff with Arsenal this season it's like the, the anger there has dissipated massively because Arsenal are becoming a success hmm. I don't have any problem maximising the resources that they have happens to be that City pretty much have a limitless ones but they still have to do the job you can't put any old schmuck in there to do no. it like Pep Guardiola is brilliant and he has everything done to a T for him and he gives them back as well his expertise, and it's a brilliant project, if you want to call that, you world can, of football. It's the only problem here. It's just like um, Gavin Cooney was saying the other day on the show. It's like this amnesia around the 115 charges. It's, it's that stuff that annoys people. That's the the money aspect is... You can talk about irrelevant in modern football. I, the, 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 hang on, the, but I, I yeah, think... The, 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 everyone has money. Well, the argument about the money was the one that was thrown up to them, and now the charges have existed. It's like, okay, I, can, I have, a, I have uh, you know, post-fact rationalisation... I can make these charges. And look, the, the charges are really, really important, right? And I, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not saying that for everybody. Loads of people are obviously always talking about the money, and that's fair enough. But I do think that, like, the salty Man United fans, the salty Liverpool fans, the salty Chelsea fans, the salty Arsenal fans this morning, like, uh, what they did was they identified people who were going to spend the money wisely, and spending of the money wisely is the single most important thing. Right, but it's not, uh, it's not okay. salty to point out that City are the team with the 115 alleged financial irregularities. City are the team. They no, are. Not, not the other teams you mentioned. They are, they are. But... Um, but I find it amazing that the fans or anyone associated with all those clubs that you just mentioned will have a go at each other because they're all in the same bracket to me mm. and City oh, yeah, just, all just do the best at what they have like, like it's that, we're way beyond that ever going backwards like that's what football is now it's just it's a huge business with money pumped into it the love of it is pretty much gone but you have this incredible professionalisation of the game where the standard is at an all time high mm. that's the sacrifice that's what you have to accept that's what's going to happen it's a slight off point to what you guys are talking about, but still involves Manchester City. So, like, we talk about City as if it's just the men's team, but obviously there's the women's team, there's an amazing academy. Like, all the money also goes into those things. And the women's team has, like, competed very successfully for the last couple of years. Say very successfully. Like, they've always been Champions League, always in top three places, uh, have won a couple of titles. And again, they're not necessarily known as, like, 
the team that spends an outrageous amount of money, but like spends a lot of money well and brings in good players, works well with the players they have, has a good bench, has that depth of a squad, which I think is the thing about City. It's like it's not necessarily even just the players that are on the pitch. Like they'll buy up the best players from around the league so that other teams can't get them like that. Pep has admitted before that that's a transfer strategy for City. It's stuff like that that they're able to do that you look at, say, Arsenal this season. They can't do that sort of stuff. There is, like, uh, I suppose well, we, uh, it frustrates me slightly sometimes when we talk about like City and the ownership and we talk exclusively about one team and not necessarily the club and all the other aspects of the club. So, like, that money doesn't just go into the men's team, it also goes into the fact that like there is insane facilities for the women's team. The Academy Stadium is a really, really nice stadium. The younger teams play there, the women play there. There are so many facets to this and it goes beyond just the team that we saw beat Real Madrid last night, probably going to win a Champions League, possibly win a treble this season. Yeah, I, th- like, I think Manchester City owners have done a remarkable job at the club from top to bottom. Well, compare them with PSG. Yeah, They've, That's exactly how to do it and how not to do it. But it all comes back to the source. Like you're never going to to like these people or be in favour of them. Like I'm not saying you should be, you should like them or be in favour of them. I just think that uh, the notion that other teams couldn't have competed with them is is actually wrong. The, the argument about the ownership uh, is is really important one to have, and the conversation to have about the ownership and this being a plaything of a nation state is 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 absolutely completely wrong and it's a disgusting way for football to have gone but the notion that other teams don't have similar amounts of money and couldn't have competed with them along the way that's just not holding yourself to account that's just saying well uh, we had a, you know we, there's nothing we could do because that's a we're up against the nation state well, actually there's loads that has been done and could have been done and other, other teams have done and, and everybody's managed to beat Manchester City up to this point it's just frustrating because we could be sitting here talking about the unbelievable performance last night and, and look we, we, we will and should but also you can't get away from all of this the, the money stuff like you're, you're sitting last night and the ironic thing last night is as that game is ongoing Coventry City are beating Middlesbrough to qualify for a championship playoff final a Coventry City team that were in financial dire straits and have come back from the brink and just the irony between that match and, and the story behind that club and the work that Mark Robbins has done with Coventry and what's happening you know not far away in Manchester you're like this is it's remarkable yeah I think but I think like and so many people say that right and it's correct morally but you look at the first couple of years of the Premier League just watch it back like yeah, the standard. No, we're no, not even related to modern teams, and that's because the money wasn't there. Like, yeah, that's what you have to sacrifice. Like, so this idea, you know, it's very romantic. Coventry or Luton are going to be in the Premier League next season, and that is amazing. Like, mm. Luton Stadium isn't even up to standard to play in the Premier League. Like, they'd have loads of work to do over the summer if they're the ones who win the playoff final. But they're going to get obliterated next season if they don't uh, invest in any way in that team. Like, there'll be no romanticism by October. Yeah, finished. Managers will be gone, and like, and but that's that's what you have to accept if you're going to make it elitist, which is what it is. And you said like, oh, we should talk about the football last night, and we should, but there will always be an asterisk next. Yeah, to this. but just like there's always going to be an asterisk if Manchester United won the league. Yeah, and if, if Qatar, if the Qataris come into Old Trafford, and sorry, people comment that to that to me all the time. Oh, you won't be complaining if the Qataris come in and win trophy. I will be, and I guarantee you, if the Qataris come in, I would mention the asterisk for Manchester United if yeah, they win trophy. Yeah, but you still go to Old Trafford. That like it won't stop you like going to matches, yeah. supporting the team, yeah, exactly. watching all the games. You'll Buying probably your jerseys. buy jerseys in the same way. Like yeah, contributing money to them. They'll still contribute money into the club. Being a fellow traveller, like we had the, gla- the Glazers. Remember the Glazers protest peaked in 2010. 
Yeah. The, uh, the yellow and green scarves. Yeah. The original United colours. And Beckham put it on when he was in London at AC Milan after that game. Oh, this is brilliant. But sure, like the Glazers just sitting back in America being like brilliant. Mm. More eyes on us. <laughs> if you can sacrifice the dignity being hated, you'll achieve everything like <laughs> whoa, whoa! Where, where do we start and where do we end? Seven fifty <laughs> this morning. OTBAM live with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shaver. Your money back. Neon audition is available now. Here's what's coming up to you now. And ten o'clock. Graham Hunter standing by. We'll get to him at eight o'clock. Eric Thomas is going to join us at twenty past eight to preview the Katie Taylor fight. Sports pages with Cameron at eight forty-five. Derek McNamara is going to preview the uh, Heineken Champions Cup final. Uh, Martin Hoare, marathon runner, at ten past nine. And we'll bring you some uh, Gavin Casey at half nine. Uh, World Cup warm-up build-up last night. Courtney Brosnan was on the bench for Everton. Um, should we be a bit worried about this? Did, did, was the last time we saw her when she was picking the ball of the net repeatedly? Yeah, I don't actually think that was really her fault either, though. That was just a bit of a capitulation by Everton. Um, I think she's been on and off the bench all season. It looked like she had kind of hammered down the number one position at the end of last season. But Emily Ramsey is there, who's a very good young English goalkeeper and the general consensus seems to be that uh, Everton want to develop her and hopefully she could be a potential number one for England in the future so she's been given a lot of opportunities this season um, and that has affected Courtney Brosnan which is really unfortunate but I don't know like she's one of the players that has never necessarily done badly by not playing so she would be one of the ones that I'd be less worried about the fact that she's not getting as much game time and the fact there's only like two games left of the season There's not much competition really for her place in in terms of Vera Powell's thinking at this point she's nailed on. Yeah, pretty much like I mean Grace Maloney at Reading is most likely going to be relegated um, and then Megan Walsh as well has had like a torrid time with Brighton hasn't really been able to nail down that number one spot even less so than Courtney Brosnan so yeah I think she's pretty sad. Uh, in other better news, Katie McCabe did score for Arsenal, who are in good form at the moment. Yeah, uh, good form, despite the fact that they have suffered another injury last night. It looked like possibly an ankle break to Leah Valti. It was just a really, really bad challenge, but it's just another one of their key players done. Uh, Katie McCabe came out afterwards and spoke very strongly about the mentality of the team and she's obviously been captain since Leah Williamson and Kim Little got injured and she was asked you know how how have you guided this team through this incredibly tough period and she was like uh, I don't do anything she was like this this is the team I, I just go out and play as I think I should play and everyone else follows which I thought was an incredibly Katie McCabe sort of answer to something um, but yeah good goal from her it was a bit of a I don't know. I definitely think the keeper should have done a lot better with that one. Yeah. Um, she I was think you should be in harsh on the oh keeper. Yeah, there. We had a debate about this pre show. Well, because yeah. I, like, I watched it last night, and then Shane, you said that you thought the keeper did all right, and I rewatched it again. But like, she was so far over in the goal. Maybe her position. She was so like, close to it, and I know it was in the corner, but like, she definitely could have got down a lot quicker. And it was so far out, and it wasn't exactly a very fast or powerful shot either. It was so far in the corner. Maybe yeah, you could argue the positioning, the starting position wasn't good. I think once the ball is hit, she's done all she can to move over as fast as, as possible. And Kitty has hit it as as far into the corner as he possibly could. Maybe I'm just Kitty bias. Fantastic strike. No, oh, like no I'll totally take it if she wants that. to do a couple of those in the World Cup. Then yeah, I'll course. be delighted. But uh, yeah, no, and I I mean the big games are this weekend. So you have the Manchester Derby and the London Derby. Um, Arsenal are three points behind Chelsea, but they have a significant goal difference advantage so it'll be interesting to see what the results of that one is because Chelsea are kind of at the stage where they're getting a lot of their injured players back and Arsenal are just 
dropping like flies, essentially, at this stage. That uh, red card tackle was pretty poor, Aggie Beaver-Jones, yeah. um, on Leowati. So, like, she she immediately gets surrounded by Arsenal players who are kind of pushing her around a bit, going, what are you doing? Oh, like, Jen Beattie and Lotwin Moy looked like they were ready to oh. fight her. Was I, she crying I, going off the pitch? Or yeah. she was definitely a bit uh, upset going off the pitch? No, she was really upset going off the pitch, and I feel bad for her. I think she's, like, 18, 19, and it was just, it was a stupid challenge. It was kind of lose-the-head moment, but there was no malice behind it. Mm. And she released a statement later on in the evening, like, a big one apologising, and I was like, you don't have to do this. Like, how many people do a reckless challenge on the pitch? It's not that big a deal and Valtteri herself even released a statement being like please don't abuse her like mm. things happen it's a contact sport alright we'll leave it there for now OTB AM with Gillette Labs get the ultimate shave or your money back Neon Night Edition available now